we have to remember that the client will always make the most selfish decision that's in their personal best interest that they can make. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 57. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. If you've got expertise or if you've got any kind of knowledge that you're packaging or selling and maybe an online course, a subscription program or something like that, one of the best, easiest ways of putting a a maximum amount of return on that is by creating some kind of higher level coaching or mentorship program. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. And it makes more sense, doesn't it? If you want to make more money, charge more money for something. It does. And I think one of the reasons that when we talk to lots of people about doing this and they say, oh, well, I can't do that. And one of the reasons they give is that what more can I give? I already give everything away. No one's going to pay that much for me. Yeah. I mean, how can I put a price on it? How can I possibly charge that amount? And they're all, all the things that we're going to be talking today with Nicholas Bailey about because he was that guy. He was that person saying, how can I possibly charge that much? And sometimes it's about looking at yourself and and look at your own self-confidence and looking at what is your value. And the value is not obviously in your time. It's in the knowledge and the difference you can make to people. And there's a real mindset shift in this episode Mm. that I particularly enjoy. Because I know often on on this podcast, we don't really talk that often about mindset. And of course, as entrepreneurs, as marketers, we might think, well, actually, it's just about the numbers, about the numbers. If you haven't got your head in the right place, you can't make those numbers happen, can you? Yeah, we're just getting to a point now, I think, where more and more entrepreneurs are starting to accept over maybe the last five years or so that actually mindset isn't this mumbo-jumbo, woo-woo thing. But actually, it's just a really solid thing you need to think about. It's the thing that keeps you on the track to, to do it, you know, you know what it's like if you if you think mindset might be a bit mumbo jumbo, which is absolutely where I come from. I used to totally think it was a load of absolute rubbish, right? And we've had long discussions about this, haven't we? Yeah. And I used to, I, if you think about it, there are some days you know what you've got to do, and you wake up and you just think, I don't want to do that. I just can't be bothered. That's your mindset. Yeah. There are some days when you think, well, that's really easy. That's also your mindset. Like all of these things that decide whether you do something or don't do something or whether you say something or don't say something or you take the, act, take the action or not, that's all got to do with the stuff that's going on in your head and how you feel about those things, which is also governed by what's going on in your head. And one of the biggest mindset shifts I think that any of us can make, I don't know about you, mate, but I think mm-hmm. it is, is our ability to put a value on our stuff. Like it's easy. There are whole people who've built businesses. Uh, so selling- people whole people, whole load of people who, who built businesses selling $47 things. Yeah. Equally, there are people selling the same information yeah. in exactly the same way. The only difference is they're packaging it slightly differently and they're charging $50,000 for it. Wow. And the only thing between those two is one of them's decided to put it in an ebook and sell it for $47. The other's doing it as a high ticket coaching thing for $50,000. And incidentally, you don't have to be, I think this is an important point, you don't have to be one or the other. There's no reason why somebody's going, but I like selling me $47 ebooks. That's, That's okay. Cool. That's you don't have fun. to jump across. You just have to start to put a, put a foot out and step out in that direction. And what you should remember is you're already selling a whole boatload of stuff at your current price point. You're currently selling a certain amount of those things. And if you're going to put, go out there and, and hit into that and sort of enter that higher ticket, higher price point thing, you're going to just take a smaller number of those people. It's rather than stack it high, sell it cheap. It's about really going after a much smaller number of people, but being able to work with them much more intimately. I think of these things I talk about a lot in our coaching sessions we do with people and we talk about in the office a lot is about these concentric circles. Imagine yourself in the middle of, standing in the middle of, the, of a sort of a piece of paper <laughs> that you put on the floor, right? 
And around you, there are some people holding hands. And there's like five people holding hands. That circle's quite small. But, but imagine outside of those, there's a, there's a circle of 50 people holding hands. And that's a bigger circle. And, and behind them, there's another circle of maybe 500 people holding hands. And there's loads and loads of those. As people get closer to you and there's less people in the circle, which means they've got more intimate access to you, that's when you can start identifying opportunities to put your price up. Is yeah. it not? And I think this episode is a really great starting point for anyone who's thinking about putting their foot over the line and stepping towards this idea of doing higher ticket. But it's also going to be great for you if you're thinking, actually, I'm already doing high ticket, but probably not at the scale I would like to be doing. There's some really eye-opening numbers in this episode in terms of what's possible. And they really, really, really are. So before we get into Nicholas's fantastic episode, let's head over to the all-important and increasingly popular Rob's Quote of the Week. Yes, because as they say, changing the world makes light work feel dusty. Doesn't it dust? Doesn't it dust? Doesn't it just? I see what you did there. You see, I, I, I wish I just, could You're just dulling down the serious tone of my quote. There, <laughs> yes, the they truth. are very serious. They are very, very serious indeed. Now, we know that a lot of our, our listeners, we've been talking about email marketing. We talk about the power of that every single pretty much episode. It sort of fits in somewhere. With and it, marketing. it's a really great driver if you are doing high ticket stuff as well. It's absolutely perfect. And so one of the things that you and I have got pretty damn good at over the past... Oh, 15, 16 years that 15, we've been online. 15, years. Yeah, we've been online is email marketing. Yeah. And we've obviously got quite a few intricate details and different intricate ways of getting better results from email marketing. Even though everybody these days keeps coming up with us and saying, oh, your email's sort of like not working as well as they used to. And the truth is, actually, they're doing fine because we've actually moved with the time. It's so not still doing the same old stuff, which is banging everybody over the head with the same, same message. Mm-hmm. So we've actually put together a class where we're going to, where we actually teach how we're currently structuring our emails, some really strange, unusual, even weird changes we made that literally have doubled or even more our results that we get from emails in terms of the sales we can make. And we'd love to invite everybody who's listening to come along to that. Yeah, indeed. So we're having a free training. Uh, You can go and register for it online right now uh, or when you are sat at a computer if you're currently driving. Uh, And you'll be able to attend the training. You'll be able to learn all this stuff. We've broken the whole thing down into three simple steps that make up this one amazing campaign that you can go ahead and use. All you've got to do is head over to www.responsesuite.com forward slash webinar and you'll be able to go ahead and register for that. Yep, no charge. Just come along, attend, and uh, just take action on the stuff that we talk about on there. So we've been talking about how to do coaching, and there are a few people who are ju- who have the authority and the experience of this week's guest. So I'm going to hand over to Nicholas Bailey. Nicholas, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How's it going? Hey guys, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm so pumped for everyone that's listening. My life was transformed in a moment for the negative when I was 13 years old. Really, really terrible. And then it was also transformed for the positive in just one moment as well. And I'm super pumped to have those moments of clarity and breakthrough for everyone listening. Very cool. That's very exciting. So we want to talk to you, obviously, about high-ticket coaching. The first thing is, any kind of high-ticket business, whether it's a coaching business or a different model, there's often that question around where does that really fit in? Is it a back-end offer for an existing like low-price customer thing? Is it just is your entire business? Where the heck does it fit into a business? 
So it just depends on the style of business. I have a great friend of mine, Alex Ramosi, that on the front end sells a $16,000 package and he helped me with my packages back in the day. And on the back end sells a $124,000 package. Most people think 16K is a high ticket. That's his low barrier of entry. So it just depends on where you're at uh, in the scheme of things. Yet the one question that everyone should ask themselves is, can I use a high ticket program if you are not right now? And the answer is yes for every single type of person. So if you have a low barrier of entry of past customers, then yes, it's going to be a lot easier to get them to buy again. And that's one of the big things that people do, whether it be free content, which is a low barrier of entry to a high ticket, or maybe some, they purchase something first to get them in the ecosystem and get a taste of what you have and then guide it up to a high ticket program. Either way, the real question is, why the heck aren't you using one right now if you're not? And if you do have one, why are you not selling more of it? And that's what we'll go over here today. Definitely. Okay. So let's say someone currently has something which is in a few hundreds of dollars. How do we make a differentiator between what's in our sort of regular lower barrier, lower, lower cost, let's say, product to what actually constitutes and what is the, the rationale that allows us to charge such a higher price? How do we stack that value? You give them less. That's how you do it. It's so funny. People will pay so little for so much. They'll pay so little for a thousand videos and all these things. Yeah, when it comes to high ticket, some of the big things that people love is exclusivity and access. How do we limit the amount of people, limit the amount of stuff, and how do we make it very high value that's going to be very impactful? So rather than being a value buyer, this is going to be a buyer that wants a result. Somebody's looking to get something out of it. And then access. How can they get access to the things that they're looking for? And maybe we can jump into different businesses that you know your people have. Mm-hmm. But typically, your high and high ticket, by definition, if it's in your business, is going to be on the back of your value ladder. So if you have a free offer, you have a $37 offer, you have a $250 offer, you have a $5,000 offer, and then you have a $25,000 offer, the high ticket, for the most part, is going to be that $25,000 offer. Maybe the $5,000 would have been one as well. Now, if you're selling soap and you, all you have is $7 offers, the, the high ticket might be a little bit different for your demographic because it's all based on perceived value and, and what people actually think something is worth and what their actual income is. Think about this. I train people that made about $80,000 to $150,000 a year in their health. So I train those types of people. Yet, if I would have gave the same package, the same way I sold it to Justin Bieber, I probably could have closed him for fifty grand. Because his perceived value based on where he's at economically in his life, that, that actual program is worth more. I just wasn't working with Justin Bieber's every single day. And so because of that, I had to also price my product based on the perceived value that I could create in the client's mind to make it a no-brainer when they saw it. They thought that that transformation that I was selling was worth so much more. And so because of that, when I got down to the actual investment, notice that I didn't say price, fee, cost. Those are all trigger words. I'd remove that from the vocabulary right now. There's one thing to get away from this. Investment is something that pays you over and over again. When they saw the investment, it was a no-brainer. I'm just thinking, Rob's pretty excited who you mentioned Justin Bieber. <laughs> Hardly. Um, what's, I, was, I that, was that what you're going to sing at the end of the show is Justin Bieber? <laughs> yeah, now I blew yeah, it. Yeah, you know it. I think the price thing is really interesting because I've come across people before who've, uh, you know, they've got some expertise of some description. They sell information products and that kind of thing. And maybe they one day work up to the point where they've got a product that's like $497. And to them, 
until they come into this world, that is high ticket. Like, like that, that's expensive. That They would consider that to be high ticket because mm-hmm. it's 10 times the price of the thing they started out selling, for example. So a lot of people will say, well, I couldn't possibly sell a thing for $5,000, let alone it, some of the prices you talk about, like $10,000. Here's what that guy's going wrong in first place. He's the, the person you're describing is actually making the investment, the price of the product based on himself or herself. You're, are you the one buying your product right now? Like, there's so many people out there in the world. You think the girl selling Rolls Royces in Beverly Hills down the street from me is buying the, the Rolls Royce so she prices it based on what she would pay for the Rolls Royce? That right there is the first problem is that I'm not selling to myself every single day. Maybe I'm selling to my past self, but I'm selling to people that may be in a different place than me. And if you're going to sit there and always base, well, what would I pay for this product? Well, you're not the one paying for the product. So why don't you ask the people that you're talking to, not what they would pay for the product because no one gives a crap about your product. Hopefully I could say crap. The people don't give a crap about your product. They just care about what that product's going to give them. You got, we have to remember... This one thing everyone's going to write down is that we have to remember that the client will always make the most selfish decision that's in their personal best interest that they can make. Your job is to actually make that decision paying you. That's the goal. So, but keep going. They, they may not be, that, that was just the first part. I just want to make sure I get that out there. Mm-hmm. They, they may think that it's impossible to invest 5K, 25K, 50K. And, and one of the big things we have as people that are leading companies, not so much the sales people, though they have to be a product of the product, is one of my good friends, Russell Brunson. He owns a, a software company that does about 150 million a year called ClickFunnels, one of the fastest growing non-venture back companies for software in the world. And it, we were talking one day and he was cracking up at the fact that he couldn't sell high ticket programs until he started buying high ticket programs. They just wouldn't sell. And then all of a sudden there was like a little switch that happened when he had invested in himself where all of a sudden he became product of the product to the point where there's times where friends of mine want me to promote their products and I can't. I actually go and buy their product first, even if it's a lot of money. And they would give it to me for free because I just know how tough it's going to be to sell that thing if I'm not bought in first. Okay. So how do we get people to... What are some of the triggers we can use in people in order to communicate that kind of level of value? Where does that even... Where do you begin searching for those things? So the first thing is to stop talking about perks. Everybody talks about perks of their product. They'd say, you're going to get 200 videos. You're going to get 15 calls. You're going to get this many different resources. You're going to get this many different discounts. Those are all the things that the client doesn't really care about. And the only person that you'll attract by saying that are people that are value buyers, people that just want a lot of stuff in a bundle. But the better person that I like to work with that I've been working with over the last five years is the person that I ask them this question. I First off, I figure out what the result is that they even want to create. What was the purpose of them even reaching out? Because I'd rather have them say it because there's a quote that everyone can write down. This is just going to be too good for people. This is so good. This quote right here. If I say it, I could be wrong. But if they say it, they're always right. So if I tell them what their goal is, what they're trying to get out of this, how much it's worth to them, what result it's going to give them, how good it is, I could be wrong. They'll leave there and go, hmm, maybe that might be true. Yet if I can get them to actually tell me, then it's like gospel. It's truth. They're like, oh, that's, that's what I think about it. Rather than telling them what to do. So a lot of times I'll ask them, what was the purpose of you reaching out? Oh, wow. Why do you want to create that result? Tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. Next question. Well, how long have you been struggling with this problem? 
wow, really? How long have you been trying to fix this problem? And what if you tried to fix the problem? And why didn't those things work? Now you have all the little things of why the other things didn't work in their eyes. Now you have to, now you can use that in your product. And I really try to dig deep in these different pain points and pleasure points to really figure out and get them to actually see the value of the product. Now, when it comes to the actual pricing of the product and the value, it, it really is at the end of the day, our job as business owners, as business leaders is not to just sell the product and it's not to educate people on the product. People already know right now, if they're coming to you trying to buy something or are interested in it, chances are you're not the first person that they've looked at or try to go to. So there's something mentally blocking them from the result that they want. And here's the one thing I want to share with you is I got on a phone call the other day and I was getting pitched. So I was on the other side of the phone and this guy gets to the end of his, of his talk. We're just on a phone call and he pitches me for $6,000 down and $20,000 a month. And I thought, wow, that's pretty impressive that he charges 20K a month. That's pretty awesome. So I'm sitting there and, and I'm actually trying to be a good buyer. I'm thinking like I could sell my truck and I would pay for like four or five months of the service. I was thinking about being resourceful. And I left that call and he also had a $3,000 a month package that for me, my type, my type of buying patterns, I, I only buy the best thing. I'm not interested in a 3K. I feel like I lose if I buy the $3,000 product that I just lost 3,000. But if I invest 20K, I feel like I'm winning. It's a weird thing that high performers have and I'm sure you guys have it as well. And so I got off that phone call and I realized one thing. I had been wanting that product or service for the last two, three years. Yet every single time I've gotten on a phone call, I didn't feel the trust. And the person on the other side of the phone didn't close me into anything that guy should have at least closed me into a lower ticket program so that I at least made progress on that call. But what happened is that I didn't get one step closer to my goal, yet I feel like I know more and it scratched my itch for me to one day again, three months from now, get on the call with another person and never solve my problem. So I didn't get my problem solved and they didn't get anything out of it and they couldn't help me. And that right there was a mind-blowing thing to me that when anyone reaches out to you, the real goal is three common steps, which Jay Abraham is a great friend of mine. And he taught me this. And he said, Nicholas, the three steps that you want to take people through is one, you want to get people interested in the subject that you talk about. That's when you're putting out content, you're putting out free stuff. Those are things that people are coming and biting on. But if they're biting on it, it's for a reason. The second step is to figure out truly what is the main goal that they're trying to reach and what's the best route for them to get to that goal that they have. And rather than looking at them like customers, like you have to do with low ticket items, look at them like clients, like you do with high ticket items, which means they're under your protection which means all you have to do is figure out what they want, where they're trying to go, and the best possible solution for them where they see it and you see it and you push them to get it. And if that happens to be you, then great. And if it's not, equally push them and close them into the very thing that's best for them so they make forward progress because that will come back to you. And that's been the route that I've taken over and over and over and over again is I've been a fiduciary. What are you actually trying to produce? What, what would life be like? I'm trying to help them have the mental breakthroughs that have kept them from buying from other people because it's not a lack of knowledge. People know they should eat right and exercise to be healthy, yet they're not doing it. I'm helping them have the breakthroughs to be able to take action to finally go out there and get results. 
Nicholas, you are talking about all these fantastic things. You're very articulate, you're very enthusiastic, and, and you're addictive. But we, I know there's a lot of people, a lot of us are sitting here thinking, well, of course he can sell $100,000 $100, coaching programs. Of course he can, but I can't. I'm not there yet. I'm not as articulate. Yeah. I don't have such a, a good mastery of communication. How did you get to this point with that? What, what, what would you say to somebody who's looking at mastering that skill? Because it's something you seem to be natural at. Yeah. So uh, just going back a little bit, and, th- and this is something that everyone want to pick up. Don't think, don't just listen to what I'm saying, but actually listen to why I'm saying it, the way that I'm saying it. Because this is going to be prime for when you're selling something, especially to a group. I started out selling high ticket to one on one. And the benefit of that is you could really just get to know people and get to know what their pain points are and, and what the problems are, why they're not buying. Hey, what, what's keeping you from investing? And you, you can answer that question. Yet now the majority of my high ticket sales is too many. So lots of people at one time. And I can't ask them, what are your pain points or, or what are, what's going on? Or why aren't you buying? And I have to know that. And the number one way to help people have their own epiphany, their own like realization that they should invest with you is actually through telling them the very story that you had the epiphany, that you had that realization and allowing them to have the same thing that you did. Like instead of telling them, it wasn't until I invested in high ticket programs that everything changed. That's telling them. But if you tell them the story that you went through to get there, that's actually going to be huge. So for me, I remember it was about five years ago. I remember one, I had never closed more than $3,000 in a total month in the first three years in business. So this is where I started out. During this time, I actually didn't go and start carpet cleaning for my dad's company. And I was making about 1200 bucks a month for a 12 to $1,500 a month for about two and a half years. So I was out there full-time carpet cleaning. This came out to about $6 an hour in a state that actually you're supposed to make like $10.50 an hour minimum wage. But I got paid commission for the jobs that I did. And it was a long story that my father was actually hurt at the time. So I couldn't take more pay. And so I remember trying to go out there and film my first video series. This was going to be my free offer. And then I was going to try to sell them on my high ticket afterwards. So I had three five-minute videos. So think about anyone that's listening right now. Have you ever recorded a video before? Have you ever tried to talk to people before? I, I got in that, that recording studio and for eight hours, I thought I had an allergic reaction. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't do the videos. It took me eight hours to try to get all of them done. I had to have someone sit in with me and just kind of fill in the gaps. I could hear myself breathing in between sentences. And I literally thought that I was having an allergic reaction to something. But it was actually just being super terrible at talking, at communicating, at doing video. And I walked around everywhere making no money because of this reason. I thought that if I just gave them enough value then they would make the conscious decision to go buy for me. So I constantly help people on the phone. I go to live events and I constantly help people and hope that one day people would make the obvious logical decision that because I've given them so much, I'm the expert and they should buy for me. Yet that day never came. And for years, I didn't make any money. I didn't close any deals. Only my wife did. No deals for years. And it wasn't until one day... I had the opportunity to speak in front of 40 people, which was something I was super uncomfortable with. And just think about Facebook Live, think about webinars, like you can reach more than 40 people. I remember my first call to action in a video was so embarrassing. I I said my call to action, I said, there's at least 20 people watching this. 
So there's only 20 spots. So you probably should take action. I thought, what a terrible call to action that <laughs> I gave my scarcity and urgency was there's probably more than 20 people watching this video ever in their life. Like that was just terrible. And so everyone's has more than 20 video views. I went to this event. I started telling my story for the first time, telling the actual story of how I was overweight, started telling the story of what it felt like. And I just cried. I broke down crying in front of everyone. It was terrible. I couldn't even talk. I thought I was going to give them value. I couldn't even get through it. I had to have someone come up there and help me. And it was totally embarrassing. Afterwards, my friend comes up to me and goes, Nicholas, what's your goal to close deals this weekend after you just spoke to 40 people? And I was like, nah, dude, I'm here to give value. I'm here to serve the host. That's what I'm here to do. I'm just here to give value. And I noticed that it was actually my fear of failure is, is the big thing that I was scared of is that if I actually tried and I failed, then that would mean I was ultimately a failure. But if I gave them value and they didn't buy, I still felt like I did my part. So he just that one thing, he said, you need to go close deals. If you don't close these people, you're not helping them. And I just thought, wow, you're right. Like if I can't help them, they're not going to do anything. So I went up to 10 people and I used this script for anyone that doesn't feel like they're good. I went up to them and said, hey, based, based on what I said, what's your goal? What's your number one goal right now in that area? And maybe this would come in conversation on a phone call or in person. Someone would say, hey, like, what do you do? And you tell them what you do and you say, what's your goal in that area? And, and they told me their goal. And I said, you know what? Like, you know, it'd be awesome. I would love to jump on a phone call and point you in the right direction. I've worked with this many people in the past in this area. And whether it's YouTube, someone else or me, it doesn't matter. The only thing I care about is that you get and just implement, just put in their desired result, whatever they said. And they all said yes, 10 out of 10 of them did. And I was like, great, this is amazing. I I scheduled their call. We got to like have fun for the rest of the day. And I remember going home and I was so nervous. Half of them I called in my carpet cleaning van that I felt like a complete loser. Talk about your environment. I was sniffing fumes. I was the lowest of the low. I wasn't even allowed to go through the front doors of freaking places. They wouldn't even let me ride the damn elevators, okay? Like they wouldn't even let me inside the buildings that successful people went into. And I'm sitting there trying to close people on the phone for $3,500, telling them that I was the expert that was going to lead these business owners to the results that they wanted. I felt lower than low. But with really getting to know them on that phone call, what their goals were, what their pain points were. And after being able to make that emotional connection through telling the story, nine out of 10 of those people bought. And that was my very first breakthrough was that one, if I don't sell them, I'm not serving them. And two, all I had to do was ask them the question and then go out and actually help them. So I actually ended up closing and booking out $22,000 that month. And since that month, I think it was 2015 or so, we've never had a non-profitable month since then. So that one breakthrough has generated now every single month we've had a profitable month inside of our business since then that's really amazing just having finding that that courage and that confidence within you it's to say you know what it is i can really help these people i have the skills within me i have the information and i can really do that regardless of the situation i currently find myself in i want to dig into that a little bit more in just a second but first we're going to play the first of our games in this episode and we're going to start off with our customized game i know that weight loss and health has been a huge part of your life and a part of your business uh, over the years so what I've done is I've given, I've given Rob a list of 10 different exercises and he's going to describe each of them in turn 
without using any of the descriptive words for that exercise. We can't name the exercise. I'm going to see how many of them you can get correct in one minute. Does I'm, that sound good? Okay. I'm tired from just reading this list. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We'll see if I even get it, man. This is interesting. Never done this before. All right, Rob, the time starts now. Okay, so this is where you get down on your hands and you have to like lower yourself down and then push ups. Okay, yeah. this is uh, a bit like um, you you go down onto the floor and then you stick your legs out behind you in a sort of push. Burpees. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this is where you hold onto a bar and then you pull yourself. Pull ups. You, you said the down. word pull. That doesn't count. Oh, that was count. Okay, this is where you stand and then you put your foot up. Oh, I said, oh, I can't have that either. Okay, this is where you would stand, and you this you get a really good ass from doing this. Apparently, like you sort of like Squatting. there yeah. we go. Uh, this is where you'd put one foot in front of the other, and you lunges. Like, there yeah. we go. Uh, this is where you lie with your on your forearms and hold it for Planks. a long time. This is where you go into a uh, push up type position, and then you bring your knees in uh, really fast. Uh, hill climbers. Uh, yeah. yeah. This is where you stand up and you run, and you're the bit Sprints. in the middle. Uh, yeah, you can have that. And this is where you would, uh, it's a bit like the one you said before where you get a good uh, a good ass, but you have to like leap as part of it. Oh, time's up. Jumping. Very, that very well. Good. That, that was, was seven, seven out of ten. Out of ten. And, and two, two of, of those mistakes were, were you, Rob. Hey, that, that, was a, that, was a team, that was a team effort though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I need a, I think well, I need a different teammate on that. I'm just kidding. So, that's, <laughs> Nicholas, actually, but before we go into this next bit, we know that we, we like, you like to be called Nicholas and not Nick. Do you want to just share with everybody your story around that? Yeah. So everyone asks me, do I want to be called Nick or Nicholas? And they see, I, I share some of my old papers that I wrote when I was like five years old or seven years old. And it all says Nick on it. And what I realized is that I, at 18 years old, my life transformed forever. I told you guys, I, I gained 60 pounds. I graduated a 1.8 GPA from high school. Actually, I only graduated because I went to summer school every year. I had no girlfriend for seven years and I had no job until uh, ever, actually, <laughs> and no real job ever. Um, but I didn't generate any of my own income until 20. And so I had this like really weird like feeling that I was failing in every area that we teach men now. And I realized that when I turned 18 years old, when that life transforming shift happened for me, I all of a sudden want to be called Nicholas. And I had no clue why I hated the word. I hated the name my whole life. So like four months later, I look it up on Google and I'm like, what's, what's Nick mean? First off, what's Nicholas mean? Nick means victory. So my whole life when I was struggling, depression, wrote my first suicide letter when I was seven, my parents breaking up, being under immense stress and pressure. Everyone was like, victory, 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 victory. And then at 18 years old, I, I had my victory. And that's what caused me to do what I'm doing today. And um, I realized Nicholas then meant victory of the people. And uh, my destiny went from trying to get victory myself to now giving it away to other people. So every time you guys tell, say my name, you're saying victory of the people, the person, someone who's bringing victory to other people. Very cool. That's yeah, cool, go. isn't that's, it? It's good to have a good, that's a really nice, um, amazing, like such a given giving reason isn't it let's chat about this coaching thing for a second so this there's really if somebody's thinking about putting a coaching program together there's really two bits to it i guess there's the bit about the sales bit and we've talked about that in depth but they also have to decide as part of that what what is it they're actually going to sell so how do you how do you decide what the deliverable is in a way that will allow you to deliver great value but also sustain the life that you want to be able to do How, how do you decide what is this thing physically that I'm going to be giving them? Because you see so many coaches who end up as slaves to these businesses, don't they? Yeah. The the first thing is exactly what you said. How do I build my business around my life, not my life around my business? So number one is having your non-negotiables personally. And then also not being so shut off thinking that, well, I don't want to coach. 
Well, you don't have to coach. You think I coach? I don't coach anyone. My coaching package is $60,000 a year. Hopefully, so no one buys it. So please don't buy it if you hear this. But because I just, I don't want to coach people. I want to run the business. You can have other people coach first off. But knowing what your non-negotiables are is number one. But I think the best way to actually talk about this is to tell you what I did. So I actually created a higher ticket program than my health program. So I had a a $7,500 health program, $12,500 health program. And I was launching my first businessman's mastermind. I was like, all these guys are in businesses. I want to serve them at a higher level. So the first thing that I looked at was out of all my past buyers, what's the next thing? So this is what happens when people buy from you is you think you solve their problem, but you actually create more problems. This is something no one really thinks about. If, if I help someone lose weight, what's their new problem? They have to buy new clothes. They have to now go out there and maybe they need, don't know what supplements to take. They need new food and new meals. Like all these different things start happening. Whereas before, their problem was losing weight. And when they lose weight, they have new problems. A, a great example is new clothes. Does that make sense? Where you've now created a new problem. They didn't need clothes before, but now that they've lost weight, they need clothes. Mm-hmm. And so when I had these 600 clients I told you about, I was like, what's the core issue that they're struggling with right now that if I solve that, their life would be changed. Like that's the thing that they would want. So I sat on the phone with Alex Ramosi. So it's great to have a mentor. I've, I invest like $100,000 a year just in these like consultants and mentors. And I'm sitting there talking to him and I'm like, man, like this is truly what I want to do, A. And B, this is what I think would be most impactful to my guys. But the last thing I was so scared of launching anything new because of what had been working before. And I thought, man, what if I screw this up? Like, but deep down, I felt that I was giving up the good for the great. So I remember putting together the package and I thought the best way to sell this would be at a live event. And so when I was putting together, I was like, okay, I'm going to get them to the live event. And then I'm going to sell them this thing that actually is based on all the calls and all the people that I know in my, in my market. I know that this is the core struggle. And if I solve this pain point, their only logical decision they can make is handing me over any amount of money that I asked for. So I was super scared. It was actually one of my first times selling directly from stage. Hmm. And I sold the very first talk at my event, which normal people don't do that. They wait until you butter people up a little bit, make them happy. Imagine an event starting, me going up on stage and pitching you for (laughs) $15,000 right there in the very first talk without you even hardly knowing who I am. Wow. And so I get everyone in this event, only 81 people, anyone can do this, uh, 81 paying attendees. And within the first day, we had sold about 160 grand and $250,000, not including ticket sales by the end of the weekend. That's amazing. And finally, I had created something that I didn't have a product that I was chasing people down. I take past buyers and out of that pool, what's the number one pain point that they had? And what's the new problem that I had created for them? Was that now they were healthy. Now they were like ready to go, but they didn't have the community that they, that they needed to be able to sustain the healthy living. They didn't have the community of powerful businessmen that thought the same. And now they wanted to use that freedom to build that business that they had been wanting to do with this like foundation of being a three-dimensional businessman. So I created the next product. I just figured out what they needed more of and I created it and I gave it to them that fit my lifestyle and theirs. And that still sells. I'm hoping to do about a million dollars. I want to break a million dollars at next event. So that's my, this is my declaration in two days, which will be very, very awesome. But again, they're happy. Like this product is something where if they, if every person listening, if people don't buy from you, the majority of why people don't buy is actually our fault. So just so everyone knows, it's our fault. So if they don't buy from you, they're going to buy from someone else for more money for less value. And that's what I always have in my mind. I know they're going to spend that money somewhere else 
And they're going to try that, try to solve that problem with somebody who's not as good as me. And they're going to spend more money doing it. And I'm fearful for that. Mm-hmm. So I go out there and I make sure to make an irresistible offer. That's amazing. I want to just go back to one tiny little piece of minutiae, a little bit of detail, which is you mentioned that the event is a paid event to get those people in the room. In order to pitch at a level of 15 grand or 50 grand or whatever, whatever you're pitching at these days, what sort of price tag are you putting on just attending the event in the first place as a pre-qualifier? Yeah, great question. I would look at what other people are doing even more than me. I, I have an average ticket price of $650, okay. but I do have a great nurture sequence leading up to the event. Uh, that if people want to know how we run events, oh my gosh, like it would transform everything. I think one of the best things everyone can do in their company right now is to take their current buyers and their current list and get them to an event because that's going to be the number one way to create culture, to be able to create a movement of your ambassadors that are living the lifestyle and like are your example. I think every single company should do it. So a lot of people out there, what they'll do if they're actually in the event space is have a free event. And at that free event, they sell a paid event. And at that paid event, they sell their high ticket. For me, I don't do that. I have one annual event a year. And generally, it's around $400 for a general ticket starting out and around $800 for a VIP ticket. And that goes up all the way to where I make it $2,000, $5,000 per ticket. And so last minute buyers have to really invest hardcore. Mm-hmm. And at that event, I sell a $20,000 package and a $10,000 package. And so I would say that depending on your skills, that's where I'd really have more nurture and more leading up. Because really, all this stuff is just math. If I were to sit down with everyone listening right now, and if you just followed the mathematical equation of how to sell, you would sell. Like, they, Of course, there's a passion piece, but I would hope that you're at least passionate about what you do. Other than that, it's just math. It's just human psychology. If you get the right people in the room and you get them to believe the right way and offer them the right product, they're just going to buy. And so one of the best ways to do that is to make sure that you have your five core functions of a business are lead gen, lead nurture, conversion, deliverable, retention, resell, and upsell. Most people, they're really good at one of the three. Like they're either really good at the front end stuff, which is probably not who I'm talking to right now, just saying like their business is falling apart because everyone's buying all their stuff, but they don't actually have anyone stay. I'm sure most people that I'm talking to right now have a great conversion. If people talk to you, they buy. They have a great deliverable, like you have a phenomenal product and people that buy your product, they stay and they buy more of it. And the only two reasons why people won't buy more of what you have is either A, you stop selling them or B, you offend them. So that's a great thing is that ever, like the easiest people to keep buying are people that have bought. Now, when it comes to an event, you want to make sure that if you get a lead gen, like someone who's interested in what you do, you also have lead nurture. This is where most people fail before events. And this is like, where, where's the way that you're nurturing these people until they get into that room or nurture these people after they buy or before they buy? And we do that through obviously email, text message, phone call, but also Facebook groups. And I take it one step further for my event is I actually do connection calls. Every month leading up to my event, all the guys get on a call and they all talk about who they are, what they do, and what they're looking for to get into the event or what they need help with right now that they could all support each other with. So by the time they get to the event, they actually already know everyone. So they don't feel disconnected, but they've experienced the very thing that I'm selling, which is brotherhood. That's like the core thing that I'm selling. So all these men are doing everything alone. Now they're doing it in brotherhood. And of course, they get other things. Yet that's the number one reason why people buy and stay. So I'm getting them to taste and see. So though it's, it's beneficial for them, it also is beneficial for me because I've already buttered their muffin before they got to the event rather than coming in as a cold audience. So lead nurture is the way that you can curve if you're not some psychedelic 
like freaking uh, influential person that has all the right language and all this stuff. If you watch my first talk from three years ago at my first live event, it's terrible. And last year, my power went out. So all these things like it doesn't matter if you're not really good at it or if you don't really have the words to say. All you need is the correct framework. That's all you need. And to have the right nurture sequence leading up because then people will be like already wanting to buy, chomping at the bit. Uh, usually we have like a, a couple hundred grand that sells right at the very beginning of the event. Not because they're like any other reason, not because it's persuasive enough, just because they were already ready to buy when they got in the room. Like I would have had to really like push them away if they didn't. Yeah, you have to really not buy, wouldn't you? And uh, Nicholas, you know the the these connection calls that you do beforehand. Do you? Because you talk about earlier on, we were talking about how you don't advertise the sort of delivery mechanisms, the stuff, the videos you're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get stuff. But as part of this this ticket that you're advertising and people are going to pay up 600 bucks for an up over, do you mention on that sales page that the connection calls are part of the deal? Or is that like a surprise added value piece afterwards? So I, I do mention it on a sales page. And on a sales page, you're going to want to show people what they get so that they, because people make a decision, like there'll be the people that make a quick decision, but also there'll be people that are like looking at it logically. But I still speak like, result wise, like this is going to give you this, not you get this, these four calls, we're going to jump on a zoom call. Like I tell them the result that zoom call is going to give them inside of that copy. And equally, like when I'm actually selling the ticket, when I'm telling people and I'm actually selling it, I'm, I'm generally speaking against check this out. This is so funny. The easiest people to sell in your market right now, which there should be like, you should have a huge market that you're in billions of dollars sold in your industry right now, or you're probably in the wrong industry. So inside of the industry, there's three different types of buyers. And the type of buyer that you want to go after are people that already buy. So for me, already go to live events, but they hate the way that live events are ran. And all I have to do to sell those people is just talk about the things that other events do wrong. And they're like, yes, I feel that too. If they already buy coaches, if they already buy masterminds, if they already buy high ticket programs, if they already buy Facebook ad courses or marketing gurus, what are the things, if they already pay for it, they're already buyers because they have to, yet they hate the current way that the industry is ran and you're doing it differently. The only, you don't have to talk about how much you do it differently. You just have to talk about how everyone else does it wrong. And people will be like, yes, I love that guy because he knows what I'm going through right now. He knows that I hate that no one connects before events. He knows that I hate that you have to go out to lunch and everyone's in a click. So he buys my lunches for me. These are all the things that I poke at that other events do wrong, that I know my hardcore event goers, the easiest people to sell aren't the people that love other live events. They're going to stick with the events that they love. It's not going to be the people that are in the middle that are just like, eh, like I don't really carry their way. It's going to be people that are like, I go to live events every year because I want to be successful. Yet... I hate the way that they're ran and I speak to that. That's really great. It's a, it's a brilliant piece of strategy that anyone can take to apply to anything that they sell. If it's a book, it's a book. And if it's a high ticket coaching thing, it's, it's high that whole coaching. thing about creating a common enemy, isn't it? It's a really good way of leading a tribe. Now, we're going to interrupt proceedings as we approach the end of this episode with our second and favorite game. Here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you, but he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British pub singer, which means that the words will be incomprehensible. Your job... I haven't heard a word that you guys have said the whole time, so... <laughs> Your job, Nicola, Nicholas, and our guests at home is to simply guess what song Kennedy sings. 
Pissing being the fair and just pissing the bitch and pin a pitchy. I had a pissing feeling the sin the bitch and a bitch and a bed and a beer. It's a pity, head bed, but it's a beer, head of it's in a bed and a beer. Head bed and a sea bed, head pussy, and a sin in a beer day. That was one of the worst you ever done. That was amazing. That sounded like it. <laughs> Nicholas, any idea? Oh, I totally know the song too. I just wish I was better at songs. I should have had Siri out, but I don't think Siri would have guessed it either. I think Siri would have gone, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was, of course, Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Yeah, so I should have, I just watched this documentary. I mean, what the heck is my problem? <laughs> I was going to say, what the heck is your problem? <laughs> I, I'm just terrible at music. If people don't know, I drove around in a carpet cleaning van and I never turned on the stereo for like two and a half years. Wow. Wow. So Nicholas, we are now going to jump over into what we lovingly refer to as the quickfire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. What would be a book you'd recommend? The Bible. Wow. Very cool. Uh, You're like, that's a first. (laughs) Yeah, that is a first. first, What's your top success habits or something that you do daily or weekly? Uh, Stay focused. Who's an entrepreneur who you look up to? Myself? (laughs) That's terrible. Hey, you said quick round. (laughs) <laughs> what are some of your favorite apps that you're using right now? Facebook. Wow. Okay. A uh, big important question. Who do you prefer? Red-haired Rob or platinum-haired Kennedy? Equal love for both of you guys. <laughs> oh, there you go. And finally, most importantly, Nicholas, where can people go to find out more about you? Nicholas Barely on Instagram would be awesome. I'd love to connect with people and, and be able to actually chat. Very cool. We'll pop the links to that, of course, in the show notes as well. Massive gold dropped all over the place in this one, Nicholas. Thank you so much for joining us and hanging out. It's always great to hear from you. Thank you so much. And can I clarify real quick something? Sure. Okay. So the reason I said myself is because one of my biggest like things of confidence is truly looking at my future self. So I'm not talking about myself right now inspiring. I really sit down and dream up what will my life be like And I allow that person to be my mentor 20 years from now. I'm like, man, I want to be like you because I know that's me in the future that I've seen, I've experienced. And I'm like, if I could just be like that person now, I'll create the life that I dream about. And there's never been a better position in which to end an interview. Thank you so much again, man. Very cool. Really, really great, actionable stuff to be able to go in and actually start selling more high-ticket stuff, whatever stage of that you are currently at. Absolutely. It doesn't matter where you're sort of starting out. It just seems that you can just get going. And if, if nothing else, if the, I mean, obviously the tools and stuff that we talked about there, massive lessons, but you can't help but be completely infected by Nicholas's enthusiasm and his mindset stuff that just really wants, you, wants to get you going. Yeah. with this stuff, which is great. So it's great to hear Nicholas's story as well, which often we don't talk about on this podcast as a rule, but... Indeed. Uh, and if you have missed anything in this episode and you want to catch up on it, don't worry. We've put all the notes together for you. You can find those over at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero five seven. Massive thank you to every single one of you who's been sending in your comments and stuff across all of the players. If you want to go and leave us a comment, we'll give you a shout out in a coming episode. We haven't been doing those recently, Rob, so we're going to get back into reading those out again. We promise 
from the next episode. So go and leave us a comment. We'll give you a name check. We'll give you a shout out. If you want to leave that review over on iTunes, just go to responsesuite.com slash iTunes. That'll get you there. Or if you're currently listening, currently listening on your favorite podcast player, just pop and uh, leave us a review. That'll be massive. And we'll give you a name check as well. Thanks once again for being with us. If you haven't already, make sure you do subscribe and we'll be back in your locals next week. Bye. Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.